Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. All right. How we doing? (laughs) You guys are wonderfully, wonderfully kind. It's good to be with you, family. Uh, So grateful to share this time with you. Uh, So glad that you actually decided to have me back. So what a great grace that is. And uh, if you are here with Hope for the first time, uh, a very special welcome to you as well. We count it a privilege uh, that you would share a little bit of your time with us in this house. And uh, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we actually count that an extra special privilege that you would entrust this portion of your journey uh, to this community. So thank you for being with us this evening. Uh, as a reminder, uh, if you've been with us, uh, or an introduction, if you haven't, we're in the middle of a series called DNA. You just saw a pretty great video about that. And the whole hope of this series is to show uh, the crucial, the essential pieces that make hope hope. And so if you weren't here the last time we were together, Chase preached an incredible message uh, on two of the most, in my opinion, important words in the Bible, grace and truth. Grace being the unmerited favor of God, the kindness of God, the unearned mercy of God in truth, his dependability, his clarity, uh, who he is in his nature. And if you missed that message, you can go to Get Hope dot com and catch that message and catch up with the series. Our desire is to continue to see this, or gethope.net rather, and continue to see this flesh out in our hearts and minds as a community. Now, today we're going to talk about Hope's passion to equip the church. I know you heard that. And of course, if you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, uh, then some of that language might be strange, but here's my only ask. Stick with me, because I really do believe that this will be a challenging and encouraging time for you to see the way that God has made you and to see that God actually has a dream for your life, a desire to see you become all that he, no pun intended, hopes you would be. So if you have a Bible, paper, or digital, uh, and you don't mind to follow along, open it up to Paul's letter to the ancient church at Ephesus. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 4, and if you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. Uh, Everything will be up on the screen. You'll be able to follow along there, but we're going to be in Paul's ancient letter uh, to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4, and we're going to just be in a couple of verses, and you're welcome to read along with me uh, to orient our hearts and minds around this powerful message. The gifts he, Jesus, gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature 
of Christ. So if you would pray for me, I'm going to pray for you and we're going to go to work, all right? Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the kindness of your spirit. Thank you for the community of the church. Thank you, Lord God, that this is a place where you can belong even before you believe. It is a place that you can belong even while you work out what you believe. And that is the gift of the body of Christ. And so, Father, as we explore your words tonight, your truth, uh, would they just ignite a fire in our hearts? Hide me behind your hand, Lord. I have nothing to offer. You have all delight to give. And we pray that we would feast on it all together today. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you said, amen. Oh, hey, hey, don't you get me started. Now, listen, this is a teaching message, not a preaching message. There will be no shouting tonight if I can help it. <laughs> God has placed inside of me this uh, insatiable entrepreneurial drive. Okay. Uh, I have always had a, a desire uh, to start new things, to open up new territory, to break new ground, to see things go places that has never been before. Can anybody relate to that? In fact, the first time that I kind of got in touch with this desire was when I was very, very young. There was something that I wanted, and my parents had already told me that I wasn't going to have it, that they weren't going to get it for me, and so I needed what? Money. And so because I needed money to get the thing that I want, I thought to myself, well, I will start my own business. I was 12 years old, and I'd been cutting my father's and my uncle's yards for free for years. They had gotten all of that free labor, and so I thought to myself, I can take this and I can parlay it, meaning I can multiply apply it. And, and I can begin to build a client list and start my own business. And that's exactly what I did. I went door to door. I solicited clients. Before long, I had too many yards to cut for myself. And so I got some of my friends and I said, hey, you want to make $5? And they said, yeah, I want to make $5. Well, get down there and cut that grass. You'll make $5. And so pretty soon I had employees helping me to run this yard cutting business at 12 years old. And not only did I get the thing that I wanted, but I had a little extra money in my pocket and that always feels good. Now, the same thing uh, morphed years later into ministry. And why do I share that with you? Because like so many of you, when I first began to wade into the waters of ministry, I honestly did not know what it was that I had to contribute. And there's a lot of story behind that that we don't have time to tell tonight. But I really did not believe that I had anything to offer to the church. Even though I had this, this history, right, of starting new things, breaking new ground, opening new doors, I did not see a connection between that and what I could possibly be doing inside of a church. In fact, I had no idea that I had much of worth to contribute at all, especially since I hadn't grown up in the church. I tried my hand to serve in many different ways. I did children's ministry. God bless you if you do, do children's ministry. There's a special place for you in heaven. God is already setting aside your throne and all of the people who stand on the stage, they're going to live in paltry shacks next to your mansion because you do children's ministry. Okay, so God bless you. I did children's ministry. Then I did middle school ministry. And those are the only people that are going to have a bigger mansion than the children's ministry people because there, there is no angrier group of people on the planet than middle school girls. Okay? And so... <clears throat> I have two of them. And so if, that, if that's the life you're living in the name of Jesus, you come. let's pray for you now because you're special. And eventually, I landed in college ministry. 
In fact, I, I partnered up with this guy named Mike who became a, a mentor of mine and a friend, and, and he had this college ministry that he was just getting started, but he didn't have the energy to really get it out of the ground, and he said, will you help me? I was at Oklahoma University, kind of transitioning out of my party life into my Jesus life, different story, different day, and, and I said, well, I don't know if I'm the guy to do that because, you know, I got all this stuff, and he said, well, actually, the guy with all the stuff is exactly the guy that Jesus wants. Will you help me do this? And so I began to help him do it. And then for those of us who might have grown up in church, you've probably heard this verse instant in season and out of season. Well, I learned that the hard way because one night I showed up and it was almost time for the gathering. And, and I'm like, where's Mike? Where's Mike? Has anybody seen Mike? Where's Mike? And, and 10 minutes before the gathering, I called Mike and I said, hey, Mike, uh, everything's set up and ready to go. We're just waiting for you. And he goes, I'm not coming. You got it. I got what? I got the food afterwards. Yeah, that's what I do. I do the food, you do the talking. That's what we do. No, no, you got it. And from that day forward, I began, by God's grace, to lead that college ministry. And in 2008, very much inspired by the same undiminishable entrepreneurial drive, my wife and I, who's here with me this time, uh, we moved to the city of Atlanta to go through the hard and laborious toil of pulling a church up out of the ground by the grace of God and through many, many trials that has become a beautiful church. Why in the world, you might wonder, am I sharing all of that with you? First, first, because... Like me, you have likely had the same thought. I have nothing to contribute. I have nothing real to contribute. There's no part of my story that is actually going to be useful in this Jesus situation. I've got too much stuff hanging behind me to actually see God make something beautiful out of it. I don't know that I actually bring anything to the table. In fact, I would wager that like me, many of you question whether we have anything of worth to bring to bear on this situation. Look at me. Not true. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Every single person in here has something to give. We quietly convince ourselves that perhaps there's no place for us, that those people, whoever those people are, the young lady, I don't know her name, but she belted out a note just now and my chest went high and I was like, oh my gosh, who does that? And you look at that and you say, well, I can never get up there and sing like those people. I can never play drums like those people. I can never get up and speak like that person. I can never greet like that person. And you quietly convince yourself that there's nothing inside of you to contribute to the wonder of what God is doing here. And that is wrong. God has a place for every single person, a purpose to activate in every single person. Not only has God made you a masterpiece with a unique masterpiece mission, that's Ephesians 2.10 if you want to follow along, but he has also wired you in a unique way to be at least one of five catalytic gifts that he has given to the church to multiply the ministry of the church. In fact, the church is mobilized and catalyzed by the gifts God gives it and you are those gifts. Are you with me? You are those gifts. And if you discount yourself before you even get out of the gate, then you'll miss an opportunity to be the fullness of who God intended you to be. Ephesians 1, through 23 says that, the, that Christ is meant to be the fullness of the world, and the way that he's the fullness of the world is through his church, and the way that he is the fullness of the world through his church is through you, not 
some other person that he's waiting for. In fact, what we pick up in Paul's words lands us squarely in the center of this idea of fullness. Jesus, who Paul earlier writes, descended into the lower regions of the earth, don't have time to unpack that, following his crucifixion, takes captivity captive, overcoming the powers of sin and death, also ascended. He ascended in verse 10, chapter 4 there, into the highest heavens, Paul's writes, taking his rightful place at the right hand of the Father, which is a euphemism for Jesus taking his seat of authority. He was back where he belonged. He was no longer battered and bruised, hanging on the cross, being whipped, being scourged, being taunted and being teased by the people that he came to save, he returned to his seat of authority. And he returned so that he could fill all things and fulfill all things. And so the question you should be asking then is, how can Jesus fill all things and fulfill all things when he's not physically present here? How's that possible? Well, Pelsu said it multiple times. That is because we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. As he takes his place as a, in his authority, then he sends back through his people, his church, the capacity to do the things that he did and what? Greater. His ascension released his people by the Spirit to be activated as the gifts that he made them to be. And it is in this exchange that we encounter once again this intersection between masterpiece person and masterpiece mission. This intersection between who you are and who God is making you. This intersection between what God says of you and what you believe about yourself finally marrying to be born into the flourishing that God intended for your life. Now, the gifts Jesus gave to his church and his ascendants for the purpose of fulfilling all things, Ephesians 4.11, we read it together already that some would be apostles, some would be prophets, some would be evangelists, some would be shepherds, some would be teachers. Now, you hear those words, that's right, and you might think to yourself, well, that sounds strange. In fact, at least for some of us, those might be very loaded terms or very foreign terms. And so if you've got your amen pens out, I want to demystify them for you for just a moment. You see, these gifts even though they're given biblical language, appear in our wiring before we ever begin to follow Jesus. And so I want to flesh this out for you real quick, and I want you to write it down so that you can begin dreaming about the gift that God has made you to the church and to the world. The apostolic gift with respect to the church is one primarily focused on extending Christianity into new and uncharted territories. But in a general sense, apostles are pioneers, risk-takers, movement starters, architects of systems that either produce or promote new and different. Think about your story. Think about your life. Are you a person who looks at a situation and says, well, that's the way it's always been done, and so that's the way we should do it? Are you the person looking at it and saying, somebody says, well, that's the way it's always been done, and you say, that's a cuss word. It can't just be done that way just because somebody already did it that way. There's got to be a better way to do it. If you're that person, then perhaps this is a gift that God has given you as the church. This prophetic gift, again, with respect to the church, is one primarily focused on truth and fidelity in the church community. But in a general sense, prophetically gifted people tend to have a keen interest in justice and mercy and a vision for a better world. So right now, hope is in the middle of a movement toward foster care. 
And I would imagine that as this ministry is burgeoning and building and blossoming, that it's going to be these people that God has given to the church as a gift that are going to be the energy and, and going to be the driver and going to be the people most passionate about seeing children who are not parented, parented, and seeing the church obey James 1, 26 and 27 and taking care of the orphan. I got him. Hmm, I'm feeling good evangelistically gifted people. They're the recruiters to the cause. They are naturally infectious and able to draw people toward the gospel winsomely. In a non-church specific way, evangelists are particularly gifted at enthusing others about what excites them. Do you have a friend that everything they do is the most awesome thing ever? You got that person in your life? I ate a grape today and you would never believe it. It was sweet, it was sour, it was squishy, it exploded. I was, have you ever eaten grapes? You got that person in your life? My best friend is like that. He is a walking Lego movie. Everything is literally awesome. Everything. That's your evangelist. So if you're that person, if you walk in and you say, Man, look at this. It's great. The lights are great. The cameras are great. Everything's great. His hair is great. I like this. It's great. It's awesome. I'm great. We're great. God's great. It's great. Guess what? You're probably that gift given to the church. You're probably that gift given to the church. All right. Shepherds or pastors. Yeah, we're going to demystify that word. Pastors aren't just the people in leadership. Shepherds or pastors are driven to nurture the spiritual development of God's people and maintain a loving and healthy community in the church. Beyond the church, shepherds are those who are activated to show special concern for seeing and affirming what is human within others and caring deeply for people. Finally, teachers within the church are mediators of understanding. They long to ensure everyone has a precision understanding of God's word. In broader culture, teacher are, teachers are those who make incredible instructors and naturally inspire learning. If you had a good teacher, you remember them. You remember them forever. I remember all of my best teachers. Why? Because they actually made me want to be there. Even after I had three concussions and sometimes saw Tweety Birds flying around my face, I still wanted to be in class because they were such incredible teachers. If people want to sit and listen to you, learn from you, if you are actually inspired by seeing other people find their way, find their gift, find their purpose, then this might be the gift that God has given you to be given to the church. Now, the reason we have to unpack those both biblically and sociologically is because just as the works of God designed for us to do were prepared before time, so are we given this wiring before we even follow Jesus. In other words, these paradigms apply to all people in some way. You already have it active in your life. You already have it showing up in your life. The point and the purpose of the church is to help you find it and surface it so that you can flourish fully as the person that God made you to be. And this paradigm applies to all Christians, not just paid pastors and leaders. In fact, if you can find for me where any one of Paul's letters says, and now address to the clergy, tell all the regulars, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And if you can't find it, all of you have to give me a hundred dollars. Is that a fair deal? No. Oh, come on, guys. 
Just let me win one, please. No, Paul's letter is addressed to the church. And the church at Ephesus, just like Hope, was made up of regular people from varying and diverse backgrounds. And what is taking place in Jesus' beautiful life and subsequent death and powerful resurrection and glorious ascension is that he's liberating people through faith to be fully what he made them to be in the church and in the world. We are these gifts. And as these gifts once activated, we actually find the fulfillment that we've been looking for. Jesus redeems what is already present, realigns it with his restoration plan, giving each of us renewed and redemptive significance. And all of a sudden, we find our way. You see, he gave us as gifts, not just so that we can be gifted, but for a purpose. So that in being gifted, we can actually see that multiplied in other people and see the church, you guessed it, big golden goose Easter egg, be equipped. <laughs> be equipped to do the thing that God made her to do. Every single person in this church, every single one is called to full-time ministry. We just get paid from different places. And the moment that that idea activates in our minds, then the church will be the most gloriously dangerous world-changing community it could possibly be. If, if we are content to spectate instead of participate, well, then our Christianity might be comfortable, but it'll never be exciting. It might be simple, but it'll never be sensational. It'll never be what God intended it to be. You see, I found over the years that most of the time when I'm bored with my faith or confused about my faith or frustrated with my faith, it's not my faith. It's that I've become stagnant in the things that God actually made me to do. I, I've become a spectator in my own life. I've ceased to believe and remember, hey, I made you to open new doors, to break new ground, to, to gain new places so that others can go through. Because I start going through the motions. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you're going through the motions. I'm going to ask you to consider if you are. I'm going to ask you to consider if you've ever once in your life thought to yourself, God made me a masterpiece with a master mission to give me as a gift to the church so that the church could equip other people to be multiplied in the world and the world could change and we could actually see this place start to be the place that it's going to become. I said no yelling. I just pulled it back. God has given you as a gift. But until you respond, then we will only see small glimpses of what actually could be and should be. How then should we respond to this good news? Well, 
It just so happens that I brought a special guest with me. You may know him as Jason. I think he's been around for a while. And he's going to share with you how it is that we take this good news of what Jesus has accomplished in giving us as a gift to the church and apply it specifically, not only to your individual life, but to the life of Hope Community. Jason, you have appeared, sir. I'm so glad to be your special guest. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Let Leos know one more time how much you appreciate him. Yeah. And there are not many times I come out on a stage and I feel like the small guy, but this is one of them. Listen, I got to tell you, this guy right here is not just a gift to the church. This man is a gift to the world. I've had uh, the privilege to get to know him better over the last few months since he was here with us last time. And we've done everything from laugh and joke about our old college wrestling days uh, all the way through to dreaming about what it would be like if our church is actually partnered together as the big C church to better impact our community. So big things ahead. Thank you again, Leonce. Before I get started uh, on giving us some action steps, I want to do something here. I think it's very important for us to understand what we uniquely mean at Hope when we talk about this core value saying that we exist to equip the church. And to do that, uh, I think it's important to start at a very simple place, our mission statement. So I'm going to ask you in a moment here, if anybody here knows what our mission is, I'm going to have you call it out. If you're new, don't worry. We're not going to call on you. Don't get nervous. Uh, if you're online right now, I just want to encourage you, go ahead and type it in if you know what it is. Let everybody know. This is what we're about at Hope Community Church. But anybody here right now, our mission, anybody, can anybody yell it out? Love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. To us here at Hope, those are not just words, okay? We run everything that we do through that filter. And you can actually break it up into two separate sections. And so we start with, we love people right where they are. If you know nothing about Hope, you need to know this is a place where if you come here, you will be loved regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you're doing. We are going to love you. You heard Chase talk about it last week when he said, we live grace and truth. Next week, you're going to hear from Donnie Peters. He's going to talk to us about how we exist for those who are not here yet. It doesn't matter where you are in life. We are going to love you. But we love you so much that we, want to, we don't want to leave you there. We want to encourage you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And those simple words, that is our way of making sure that we stay on track to ensure that we come alongside of you wherever you are, whether you're considering a relationship with Jesus, you're starting a relationship with Jesus all the way through to being established and the foundations of our faith, all the way through to living out God's magnificent purpose and calling that you just heard about from Lance, God's dream for your life. We want to encourage you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And you might ask, why is it important for you to encourage us? Why is it important for us to encourage others to grow in their relationship with Jesus? I mean, isn't, isn't love enough? Can't we just love people where they are and then let those giftings come out? Check this out. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I came that you would have life and that they would have it abundantly. And so I just want to pose you with a brief question. Um, are you experiencing abundant life? And uh, I don't mean, do you have a big house? Do you have a boat? Do you have a vacation home? If you have those things, those are great. In fact, if you have a boat or vacation home, I'd love to meet you outside. Maybe we can be friends. That's great. I've heard it's better to be friends with somebody that has a boat than to have a boat. But, you know, listen, <laughs> that wasn't on the plan there. So uh, we get a little bit off track. Are you experiencing abundant life? Listen, uh, that's not what I mean. 
What I mean is, if you found yourself hypothetically uh, in a pandemic, okay, if your world got flipped upside down, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, my kids are at home, uh, I don't know what to do, am I gonna lose my job, I've gotta get my job done, now the kids want lunch, now they wanna know when recess is gonna happen. We've got an election season. We've got racial injustice. We've got unrest all around us. I want to know, in a season like that, hypothetically, if we found ourselves in one, would we be experiencing an abundant life? Because I believe that's the type of abundant life that Jesus is talking about. And I want you to know, God made you to be something great. You just heard, you were, you were created to have this masterpiece, this unique masterpiece gifting for this unique masterpiece calling on your life. And there's more truth in that than you even know. But there's some of us that are in this room right now across all of our campuses or, or watching online, and you would say, you know, Jason, it's hard for me to think about this unique masterpiece gifting or this unique masterpiece calling. And the truth is that I actually am having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. I mean, if you only knew right now how my marriage is only hanging on by a thread and I've got to act like I've got everything together, or maybe you've got that child at home and you know they've got some struggles in their life and you worry every Friday night when they go out with, your friend, with their friends that you just hope that they're actually going to come back home and this isn't going to be the night that you get that phone call. Or maybe you're that student, that middle school or high school student, and I want you to listen to me. You're looking around right now, and you're seeing everybody else has the friends that you wish that you had, and you don't understand it, and you wonder if anybody sees you. I want you to know Jesus came, that you would have life, and that you would have it abundantly. But in the midst of that, in the midst of those circumstances, our church will love you where you are. But you need to understand, you will not experience abundant life unless you were in a growing relationship with Jesus who came so that you would have that abundant life. And so when we say we exist to equip the church, we're saying that we are a community that helps people to that end, to grow in their relationship with Jesus, to experience abundant life and to come to know God's master plan and purpose for their life. That's why we exist to equip the church. So how do you become equipped at anything? And, and I'll just tell you, a lot of you know, uh, I'm a coach. I spend time coaching youth. I, I coach adults. When people come to me and say they want to get better at something, I'll tell you, listen, there's two things you need to know. One, you need to focus on fundamentals. And secondly, it's going to take consistent effort over time. There's just no substitute for discipline for effort over time. And so a lot of times, things like this will happen. Uh, I, I, and a father will come to me with his four, five, six-year-old son or daughter, and they'll say, listen, I think my child is going to be great at wrestling. And I say, well, I think we'll, time will tell. We'll see what happens. But if you want to bring them in, that's great. We'll work out with them. And on day one, they come in, and it's fundamentals. It's here's what a good stance looks like, and here's a double-leg takedown. Uh, if you don't know, double leg takedown is the most simple, basic, uh, I don't want to say simple, it's the most basic fundamental takedown in the sport, and you see it in introductory wrestling, you see it all the way in the Olympic finals. So day one, double leg takedown. Day two, double leg takedown. Fundamentals. Day three, double leg takedown. Week two, same schedule. We work on it. Guess what? You actually work on it day one in a college wrestling program as well. Work the same thing in week three. Usually around this time, parents will come to you as a coach and say, hey, listen, they've been doing this for about a month. I think they're ready to enter a tournament. They're starting to feel good about themselves. Say, okay, well, let's put them in a tournament. That whole week, fundamentals, double leg takedown, double leg takedown. What do you think the first thing they do when they actually go out into a match when the referee blows the whistle? No, they get pinned in like 10 seconds. 
because they've never done it before. They've done it for a month. It, it takes consistent effort over time. And that, that's what happens in our lives, right? I mean, we think, man, come on, I've been doing it for a month. I went to a church service. I mean, I heard Leon's preach. That man can paint the, he can preach the paint off the walls. Why is my life not changing? And it's because it's the same in our spiritual life. It takes fundamentals. It takes consistent effort over time. Fundamentals. Who is Jesus? What is prayer? Can I really talk to God? And the answer is yes, you can. Right? What is the Bible? How do I read this thing? How does it actually apply to my life? What is baptism? Why do you want to hold me underwater when I watch the videos and I see people? We don't really want to hold you underwater. But those are fundamental. These are things that you need to know as a follower of Jesus. But on top of that, it takes consistency and it takes effort over time. Not to be a Christian. Okay, to be clear, that happens one time. You make a decision to put your faith and your trust in the truth that Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the grave three days later, overcoming sin and death once and for all, but to experience an abundant life, okay? To come to know this masterpiece gifting that you have, to, to come to know your masterpiece calling, that is going to take consistency and effort over time. We don't just get things. The first time tell, someone tells us to do something, we don't just do it right all the time. And if you don't believe me, you can ask your spouse. They'll tell you. They're right there beside you, and I saw an elbow over there. It's better to not elbow. You should just wait and let them ask you. Later, that was free, but it, it takes practice. It, it takes giving something your best shot. It, it takes trying. It takes, pr truthfully, it takes screwing up and confessing and having to look for God's grace and accept God's grace in your life. It, it takes grit and it takes times in your life where you actually set aside your personal preferences because you know that God has something better. It takes intentionality, fundamentals, consistent effort over time. Now, no one in this room has the ability. I don't have the ability to make sure that you put in consistent effort over time. You don't have the ability to make sure that I put in consistent effort over time. But since we as a church, we value, we believe that it's our responsibility to equip the church, we can put environments in place where you can come to know the foundations and the fundamentals of our faith. I want you to check out this video. My mom is very uh, Catholic <laughs> and she just, thinks that's the way and the only way. I got baptized when I was a baby, and then I just went to church with my parents every Sunday. I went to Catholic school all my life until I was 15. I just felt like I needed more in my life. I felt like I had this thirst for God, like whatever I had in my life wasn't enough. When I started coming to Hope, Chase gave a sermon about baptism and it got me thinking, but I was just so unsure at the moment. I was like, mm, I don't know, like, it's weird. I feel like my mom's gonna be upset if I do it and things like that. At the beginning of the year, Hope uh, told us about Growth Challenge. So it was 30 day long and it was an online guide for us to read scripture and just grow in our faith. Uh, I didn't really have anyone to do it with me but uh, Darlene messaged me on Instagram and she said she would do it with me even though we've only met once in person. So uh, we just started doing it um, every week. We met for probably over 30 days and just did it together. I talked about um, baptism and uh, you know, she's done it 
herself, so she was very encouraging. But she was like, you know, if you have any doubts, you should talk to somebody. So I set up a meeting with uh, Pastor Ryan, and we discussed it. And I told him all my fears, kind of, you know, especially from like growing Catholic to like doing this. And he just gave me a lot of peace. I'm just kind of like in love, <laughs> like, you know, I just want to be cl get closer and closer. You know, the growth challenge was great because I was constantly reading scriptures and I was con constantly learning new things. So I don't want to stop that. I just feel like I've learned so much more and that I really just wanted to do it uh, because it's a thing between God and I. Yeah. Listen, lives can be changed, but we've got to be intentional in the steps that we take. I'm excited to let you all know that at Hope, we are launching a brand new growth track. Now, growth track sounds fancy. If you've been around Hope at all, right for any length of time, you know we ain't that fancy around here, okay? But these are environments that we've created specifically to help you take your next step and to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Out of the gate, very simple. You got three steps. You got 101, you got 201, you got 301. 101, we're calling Exploring Faith. This is a specific environment for those who are new to the faith uh, or who are looking to take their next step to find out more about Jesus, the Bible. It's a safe place for you to come and ask questions. 201, uh, we're calling Discover. Discover is all about our unique mission as a church and then how you can jump in and partner with us in our vision to reach the triangle and change the world, how you can get involved here at Hope. 301, we're calling Grow. And Grow is set up for us to give you specific uh, and easy-to-follow tools that will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus and to build a firm foundation for your faith. Listen, we want everyone who calls Hope Community Church home, and I want to challenge you personally. Go to this website, gethope.net slash growth track. There's a video there. It's got a description of the, of the classes, of the environments. You decide what your best next step is, and let's all make a commitment together. We're going to take a step together. All right. And you might think, like, wait a minute, okay, if this is all foundational stuff, uh, I don't really know if this is for me. I'm telling you, that 301, there's not a person that calls Hope Community Church home that would not benefit from jumping into that 301. Let's make a decision. Let's do this thing together. Listen, um, as I close, I'm certain that our stories and this room across all of our campuses online, uh, our stories vary tremendously. We've got people in here that, like we said earlier, we could barely get out of bed this morning. There's people that were probably robbing a bank last night, and there's people in here that are ready to storm the gates of hell with a bucket of water. And that's okay. We all come from different backgrounds. We're in different places. But here's something that we know to be true. Every single one of us, we have something inside of us that tells us that we were made for more. It tells us we were made for more. And that's not a Jesus thing. Listen to me. That's a human thing. You were made in the image of God and he put something inside of you. When God created you, he had something very specific in mind. And if you knew what it was and if you really owned it, it would blow your mind. But we also know this. We will never know the unique gifting that God's placed in our lives or that unique calling that God has placed in our lives if we don't know God and if we're not taking steps to know him more. Could you imagine 
what would happen if 12,000 plus men, women, and students, if we believed that God has gifted us far beyond anything that we ever imagined, this masterpiece gifting, and he's placed this calling on our lives that's, that's far greater than anything that we've ever dreamed possible, this masterpiece purpose, this masterpiece calling on our lives. And every single one of us did everything that we could do to encourage one another to grow in their relationship with Jesus. We'd reach the triangle. We'd change the world. But it's absolutely critical for us to equip the church. It's gonna take each and every one of us to be willing to take that next step and then take that next step and then take that next step. Will you take your next step? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open up scripture, to be reminded in the midst of a crazy life, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of thinking that maybe we don't have anything to contribute. Scripture tells us the truth, that you put something inside of us. You've given us a unique gift. You've given us a unique purpose, a unique calling. Not just for ourselves, Lord, but to truly impact and change the world. Lord, would you awaken that thing inside of us would you help us believe the truth? Would you help us to turn away from the lies? Lord, would we be a church that not only loves one another right where we are, but also encourages us to grow in our relationship with you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.